Pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Help me not to speak plausible words of wisdom that is human, fleshly, but help me to transmit life and light and truth from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, we, um, we have this interesting start to our lessons today because we have this passage from Ecclesiasticus, uh, the book of wisdom. And, and some would say, that's not scripture. And, and many denominations have taken hard lines against anything that's apocryphal. That's Roman Catholic or... And, and truthfully, our, our traditions stem from very much the same things. In the early church, the first several centuries, the church fathers got together and said, yes, these particular texts don't necessarily line up with all of the strictures that we have placed on what is scriptural. But these particular texts are instructional, are helpful, and we will rank them as such. So when we read the scriptures uh, from the Apocrypha, it's not as though we're elevating them to scriptural status. We're elevating them to they do not conflict with scripture in any way, and they are instructional, and they are from the time. Uh, so we, we include them. And this morning, they're, they're helpful in sort of laying the groundwork for where I believe the Lord wants us to go today. Um, we, we get a hard ball <laughs> today. Uh, the, the gospel lesson is not an easy swallow. Um, we have people in this room for which the, the word today was is biting um, because there are divorced people in our midst. There are people who have looked lustfully at other people uh, in their lives and uh, never really thought of it as adultery and, you know, would have to duck and cover if uh, they were really held accountable to where their eyes wander. It's hard removing ourselves from the flesh. I, um, I realize that we all are in this position, and what I want to encourage you with today is that the Lord is growing you. The Lord has made us with an infinite capacity to grow so as Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he calls them a bunch of babies, he's not saying, you losers. You're never going to grow up, so go sit in the corners, suck on your thumb, and get over it. No. He's saying, I could share with you wisdom for the mature, but you're not ready to receive it because how you have received it and walked in it to this point is not mature. You're still living off of milk, and I want to feed you some meat, but only when the time is right. Do you remember? Do you remember giving your life to Christ? Do you remember walking in and hearing the gospel for the first time and being encouraged by it, but also having a whole set of excuses for the things of the flesh that were in your life that you wanted to hang on to? And slowly and surely and certainly, for some, it's instantaneous. A, co a conversion to Christ is overnight. Everything that is of the flesh and of the old is given away. I don't know how people do that. That's not my DNA. 
I was a slow go. I was a guy who had to say yes to Jesus 73 times before it was really okay. And still then, I found things that he today is convicting me of so that I might get better and better and better in his presence. So as we look at this word from Ecclesiasticus, uh, the word from this, the book of wisdom, we hear are hearing this understanding that God has given us the power of choice. Some of me wants to say, yay, of course, I can choose my own way. When I was a little kid, my mother claimed that uh, my mantra was, I do my loan. Because <laughs> I was the last of five kids. I needed to sort of forge my own way, my own identity, my own self. I do my loan. And the reality was um, I was dealing with what everybody else deals with. I was trying to do something to identify something that would say, I am Dan Morgan. I have the power to make this choice, and I'm going to make it the best way, and it's going to be right. And what I learned over life is that sometimes making those choices, I need wisdom from on high so that I make better choices and grow more into his stature. Um, so the, the choices that we have are to keep his commands or not to keep his commands. Uh, you know, he's put before us the, uh, this letter says fire and water, life and death. You get to choose, right? And in every situation, if, if we looked at it, we would say as we train our children up as we we show them the difference between fire and water we definitely know that there's a potential that they might put their hand on a hot pan i just did it yesterday as i'm moving a pan off the stove it realized how hot it was on the outside and i didn't grab a a, a, a pot holder and i was like ah how dumb i should know better by now right how many times have i done that well, in the flesh, I, I don't think about it. I just go and do it. And I have to live with the consequences of it. We have a choice, life or death. He's commanded, he has not commanded any of us to be ungodly, the author of Ecclesiasticus says. And he has not given anyone permission to sin. So our choice has to be between these two things. Well, interestingly enough, today the, the word that comes to us is a word of, that could be taken as a word of correction. But I think it's a word of encouragement. I think the Lord is trying to come along inside of us and say, yeah, keep going, this is great. What I've given you is the riches of the kingdom. Just keep, keep moving in that direction. Keep making sure that what you see and what you tried to do in honor of my laws and commandments gets to be the root of what I want you to do, not just the outward affect. You know, we know, we all know religious people who love their religiousness, right? You know, those type A people who, you know, everything has its place and everything has its time and everything has its rule. Rules have rules have rules of rules, right? You know those people? And, and yet, when they know their own failings and they clearly fail in life, something comes along and shatters that illusion of order. And where do they go? Because they've not fulfilled. It's, 
it's, it's sort of like life is falling apart now, unfortunately. I don't, I don't live in that world. I don't have rules, um, <laughs> rules upon rules upon rules. I, I am sort of like, well, let's paint out of the lines where it feels like painting out of the lines. But the reality is I deal with the same thing. I set standards for myself, and I know that I can't keep those standards. And I find myself following through and saying, Lord, how do I not do this again? I don't want to do this again. And he says to me again and again and again, I hope you hear this to you from the Lord. Just come. Just come to me. Just come to me. We hear those words said in scriptures, come to me all you who travail and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Just come to me. You're in the midst of being in a, in a difficult relationship with your spouse or your friend or your coworker or your neighbor. Just come to me. There's a solution there. You've heard me tell the story of the man who crazily um, hugged the tree out in front of his home. And the neighbor started to say, hey, you know, I've been here for three or four years now, Stan, and, you know, uh, what's with the tree? And Stan says, well, I, I come home from work and I leave my problems at the tree and I get up in the morning and I pick them back up and I go to work. <laughs> oh, the neighbor says. Stan continues and he says, you know, the reason why I leave those problems is that my family doesn't need the problems that I carry in from work, so I leave them there. He goes, but amazingly, those problems, some of them are gone the next morning when I pick them up. Some of them are, are solved. There, there's a solution to how to deal with it so they can go away. And some of them I pick up and go right back to work with and, and work on as I need to, to work on them. Oh, well, that's, not, that's not too crazy, Stan. The tree thing is a little crazy, but that's not too crazy. And he goes, you know, what's even better is that tree is Jesus. That tree is leaving the problems at the foot of the cross, understanding that God is developmentally teaching us and helping us to understand more. You all know that I adore and love Kristen. I mean, I hope that goes unsaid. But I'll tell you, in my infancy, in my stupidity, in my childishness, in my flesh, I lusted after Kristen. Terrible thing to say, but I mean, it was complete and total infatuation. You got a picture, okay? Now, Kristen's, you know, 19 years old at the time, and she's wearing all Reebok. Reebok sweatshirt, Reebok sweats, Reebok socks, Reebok shoes, you know, the, the high ankle ones that tied up. She had matching laces to go along with the exact same color of her sweats and her sweats and the bow in her hair. Cutest thing is you could see. And I'd see her across campus, and I was like, oh. I just melt. Did I melt with the full intention of a lifetime of love through thick and thin, through, uh, you know, good times and bad times, for richer, for poor, until death do, we, do us part? No way. <laughs> I just thought she was hot. And I pursued her that way. I mean, some people would say I was a stalker, man. It was weird. But I, I, would, I, would, I would want to see 
where she was and who she was with. I thought I had no way of a chance. She had friends from the basketball team that were at Barrington College and now had come up to Gordon College. And, and so I would go down to the ice rink because I knew at night she liked to ice skate. I'd stand at the doors and I'd watch her skate. <laughs> and I'd say to myself, man, she is hot. But let me tell you, there have been some times where I'd like to throw her off a bridge. There have been some times where she's told me exactly opposite of what I wanted at the time. There are some times where she's full, so fully thrust, frustrated with me, she wants to throw me off a bridge. But when I said to her, with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I couldn't do that. In the flesh, I'm not capable but standing before my Lord, asking for his help. God is my helper. I will love her eternally. Have I failed? Yes. Have I looked at her with ill intent in various ways? Yes. And she at me, I'm sure. But I'll tell you this. I wouldn't want to be on this journey with anybody else. And I know that, that the heart of that is God's intention for me. God's intention for me is to experience something that's of him. Now, please, those of you who are single, who are here, this is not a, one of those talks that says you're only fulfilled if you are married. This is one of those things to say, here's an illustration from Dan's life to say to all of us that God's desire is for us to experience the fullness of intimacy. And that's far and above any Sexual activity, any relational activity, any long-term relationship, it is a sense of knowing, a sense of being known, and the fulfillment that comes from that. And that's what God wants for us. So as Paul is speaking to the, the Corinthians, he's like, guys, you just, you're not listening. There's no way I'm going to teach you the the mystery of the kingdom when you're sitting there arguing, well, I'm of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of this or I'm of that. One waters, one tends, one yields, but all the glory is to God. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth, Paul says. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but God who gives the growth. In the background is the great and mighty Oz, okay? We, we were referring, I'm trying to make the connection here, go with me. There's limitations to illustrations sometimes. But God is behind and he's the setup guy. Only he could have put me in the right place at the right time to have that picadate which led into a marriage, which led into three great kids and a lifetime of experiences for me with Kristen. And I know that I can't control all the circumstances. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, that I've done it per perfectly or that one choice is better than the other, but that God is the one who's growing me, building in me. So we get to this text that is so difficult. 
Jesus is obviously making a comparison. There are uh, theologians who argue, and I could spend hours here talking about what the intent of this is, and I'll have to say at the end of it, I'm not fully sure. Was this talking about negating the law, superseding the law, absolving the law, washing out the law? It's very clear that it said no. Paul says no. Jesus says no. We're not wiping out the law and the, New, the Old Testament, but Jesus has come to fulfill it. And the nature of that word fulfill is a difficult one for, for people to understand because we don't necessarily know if that supersedes the old law or comes alongside of it. And I want to tell you today that I'm one of those ones that I believe that it elevates it. If you heard the word radical in our culture today, you would think of somebody culturally who's outside the norm. Somebody who's, you know, made alternative choices or lives in a way that not everybody else lives. And we make judgments about that. And I have to catch myself all the time when I see somebody who's got more tattoos and more piercings and more holes in their ears and their heads and their eyebrows and their lips and their nose and everywhere else that, that they're a bad person because of their choices. It's just like clothing. They're a child of God, just like I am. I might not prefer those choices, and I might not uh, adorn those things on my body. Thank you very much. I'm not sure that you'd want a pastor <laughs> up front leading you that way. But the judgment is not against that person, because it's not my right to. We have to understand that there was a life and a leading and people and uh, a circumstance around which that person had made those choices. What we need to do is live above reproach. That's one of those words that, that is described by Timothy about the, the nature of what a pastor should be, uh, should be above reproach. There should not be anything that you can say in the actions, the life, the words, the person who's ahead of you, uh, that is above correction. That your leader is leading by example and saying, I'm human, but I'm also doing my level best to be an example for all of you. And if you don't see that, go talk to a, a vestry member or a warden and uh, you know, come talk to me. Uh, I, I, will, I will gladly be willing to receive a correction and, and ask the Lord, is this you? But now Jesus really gets to the hard stuff and he talks about murder. He talk, talks about judgment, rec reconciliation, uh, accusation, intimacy. He talks about divorce and what is faithfulness. And really when it comes down to it, uh, what are we going to do about it? That's where the scripture goes today. And again, I want to say that it's all couched in encouragement. This is not a rebuke. This is not beating you up. This is not saying to you, you who are on your third or fourth marriage and things have fallen apart, you are damned to hell forever because those are the words that are, are there. You've committed adultery. Well, we come back to looking at the scripture and we understand, well, word for word, that's what it says. 
But in context, in the fullness, we, we start to look at it and we say, this was not God's intention. This is not God's intention for your life. God wants you to understand a love that is so full and so fulfilling that he's not come to get rid of the old law, but to fulfill it in a way that makes you yearn for something that is better in your relationships. You've heard it said, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the, those who were teaching the law, you've heard it said, you shall not mur murder, and whoever murders will be liable of judgment. Well, what was the cost of, of murder? Death, right? Gets their attention pretty fast with that opening line. But I say to you, everyone who's angry at your brother will be liable to judgment. So should everybody die who's been angry? How many of you have been angry in your life before? Come on, let's see the hands. I know it's everybody in the room. We've been angry. And we've slept on that anger. You know, the scripture says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? So you don't have to deal with the consequences, the weight of that, that anger. Oftentimes, it's, it's our perspective, our broken perspective, that's allowed us to be angry. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, raka, is the biblical word. It's like saying, stop being such an idiot. You know, sometimes people are idiotic, right? I mean, you just want to look at them and say, stop being an idiot. But when you mean it with an intention, intention to, to break that person, to hurt that person, that, you know, we remember the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not true. That's the biggest lie on the planet. We say that to make ourselves feel better or make somebody else feel better. But the truth is, words are powerful. Do you know the, the stack in your life of, you will never, there won't be a time that you could never add up to all the comparative analysis that's gone on in our lives are things that are words that have judgment attached to them, and those words have weight that hang around our necks. I love the songs that we sang. We're no longer a slave to fear because we're a child of God. There's the perspective that Jesus is wanting to teach. In him coming to fulfill the, the law and the prophets, he's saying take those chains of earth and flesh off of yourself. Stop worrying about the things that you've said and start living in a way that transforms and rises above the letter of the law so that you fulfill the fullness of the law as I have for you. So, if you have this gift you brought to the altar, you come to bring it to the altar, oftentimes those gifts are, in, in the Old Testament context, in this context, the gift was an animal, a sacrifice, right? So if you come to bring your gift, well, God doesn't want burnt offerings and sacrifices. That brings light to this particular text. He doesn't want your do-good deeds. He doesn't want your religious attitudes. He wants you, and in order for you to come to the table and make an offering that is holy and righteous and right, you need to be right with the things that are broken around you. 
with your brothers and sisters in this room, with the raka that you have spoken over others in this place. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us that we might not live anymore in a way that we tear brothers and sisters down. Brothers and sisters in the body, let alone brothers and sisters outside of the body that we make judgments against. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you to prison. Because sure enough, while you're there, you're going to spend plenty of time to pay up your debt. Well, we know what the system is like. You've watched enough law and order to know that the system is the system and it, it gets around people. And I'm going to pause for a quick second because I see Ev is on the move. And so I'm just going to pause in the midst of my sermon and say, Lord, bless those who are going to Peter Mauren today. Encourage and strengthen them. Let them be uh, light and life and blessing to those that they serve in Jesus' name. So back to Matthew 5. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. You know, the, the, the weight, the, the devastation of accusation that happens in our lives, whether we're accusing somebody else or someone else has accused us, is painful. And Jesus is saying, rise above it. Rise above the emotions of your feeling and get it out there and deal with it because the consequences that the world will bring is much worse than what it is to be reconciled to one another. If you've heard it said, you've heard it said, they used to say this, well, you shall not commit adultery. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you've ever looked on anyone, sorry, Kristen, I looked at you that way when we were in college. We can all laugh together. That's funny. I mean, we all went, yeah, baby, you know. All of us have had those, you know, uh, I used to think that Christy Brinkley, remember the bathing suit edition of, of uh, you know, Sports Illustrated back in the day? No, you wouldn't know if you're not old enough. But I remember Christy Brinkley in that bathing suit way, way back on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And I was like, no, I did not have godly intentions in my mind when I looked at that photo. And yet I know God's absolved me of that silliness because I wasn't in a place where intimacy was known as it is. And I'm still not. I'm still human. I still recognize somebody, but I put it in a context of not lusting after ownership or use or degrading. I put it in a place where I can say, God, you are amazing the creation that you've made. And some, some would say that's an excuse. That's my excuse. That's my biblical excuse to, to appreciate a beautiful woman when she walks by. But I will say that I do know the difference between just simply the lust of the flesh and true intimacy. And true intimacy pays off so much more than the lust of the flesh. I can say for this lifetime to this point, I can say that I have been so blessed and so understood, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't take another day back for all that the Lord has grown in us through all the trials, through all the difficulty. Here, Jesus is saying, you shall not commit adultery, and if you marry um, someone who is uh, already married, well, you better be careful of that as well. 
Why? What's the root? What's the heart cause that he wants us to get to? Because the consequences here seem rather harsh. If your eye causes it, you to sin, pluck it out. We'd all be blind by now, right? If your hand causes you to sin, then cut it off. And Jesus is saying the severity of what we need to do sometimes is really harsh. But in order for us to achieve the fullness that God wants us to experience, to live in, the faithfulness that God wants us to live under, then we need to take action. We do have this passage here of divorce and faithfulness, and by now I hope you, you get where I'm going with this. I don't think that one iota of this word needs to change. God hates divorce. He hates murder. He hates judgment. He hates false intimacy. He hates all the brokenness that we bring to the world, accusation. He loves it when we are reconciled to one another. And that's the standard that he wants the scriptures to be so that we don't use it as accusation or judgment against one another, but we might say to our friends, to ourselves, to our neighbors, to our spouse, I want to love you like Jesus loves. I want to love you at a standard that says, I want the fullness of this, and sometimes that means in my stupidity I need forgiveness as I'm going to forgive you. Again, you've heard it, heard, you heard it said uh, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but to perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, uh, for this is the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Fill in the blanks, folk, folks. How many times have we said, on my mother's grave, I will never. We just flip these colloquial sayings out there as if it's no big deal, but words matter. You know, we, we say, uh, I, I, you know, put our hands on the Bible and we say, I solemnly swear. Well, we take those oaths as we stand before a judge that this is going to be the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But I almost want to say as much as the truth as I'm capable of saying because it only comes from my perspective. It's, is it the whole truth? I, I, I'm not sure. It's the whole truth according to Dan. But it may not be the fullness of the story surrounding it that I'm bearing witness to. But Jesus says, rise above that level of understanding and don't take an oath to anything. But before the Lord, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't, don't justify what you do. Just do it. Don't have a qualification for what you do. Just do it. doesn't make you a better person to say, I swear by the Lord that I will never do that again. And you're back at it. Every New Year's resolution broken, right? We come to it every year. We think, okay, this is going to be a new year. This is going to be a new start. This is going to be new habits. Well, then do it. Don't talk about it. So here's where I want to again come back to what I said at the beginning of the scripture. Jesus' intention 
for this is not a spanking publicly. Let's get each one of you up, just like you come forward for communion, and we're going to spank you. We'll get out that, you know, that paddle, and we're going to paddle you publicly. No, it's, it's not intended. God never intends to shame us. He wants to say, you know what? There's a better way. Do you want to live in the grace that comes from the better way this morning? When we started singing that first song, I, I, I'm sorry, this is where my 12-year-old mind goes, but it sounded something uh, akin to a Monty Python sketch. I mean, here we're sitting in despair like seas of the waves, darkness and stain they, uh, that we cannot hide. Um, you know, the marvelous grace of the Lord is coming, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking all of these negative, terrible things. Yeah, they're here, aren't they? The weight of sin, the the bloodbath of stupidity across the earth when we fight over things that aren't ours to begin with. They're gifts from God, resources that we need to share, and we do so much better if we live by those standards. But instead, we say, mine, 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 like something out of Finding Nemo. But the refrain is, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Great. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Grace. But for the grace of God go I. Jesus is setting a standard that's far and above anything that we can reach because what his intention is to reach out to him and ask for his assistance his guiding, his leadership, his power that helps us transcend those moments. Not claiming an oath by something that we can't stand up to, but making a charge in our lives that says, we're going to do this because God wants us to do this. And no matter how many times I fail, it is the standard by which God wants me to live. We live in a culture that that right now wants to bend everything that it possibly can of the standards of Scripture to the culture to justify sin, to justify brokenness. And it's not our job to point to the sin and point to the person who's sinning and say, see, you're not living up to that standard, so you're going to hell. We have no right. But we do have a, 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 a right to come alongside of them and say, hey, how's that working for you? Want to know a better way? I've experienced the grace of God and I love how he loves me. I love how he's guided me. What if today you were to point out the things that you know in my life that are a hindrance to me being a good person and you said, hey, Dan, how about giving up all of your guitars and your motorcycle? How about giving up smoking a good cigar every now and again? And you had to just turn it over to the Lord. That seems crazy to me. There's no judgment on me for that unless you have judged me and you haven't come and talked to me. Come and talk to me. <laughs> but I will say that's has how radically we look. And I'm not talking about radical in the sense that I've talked about it as the root of the intention of God. But it's radical in the sense of it's out of bounds. It's weird. 
But when we point at people and point at their sin and point at their brokenness and point at who they are and we say, you're damned, you're going to hell, you need to change, that's how radical we are. We're saying things that are near and dear to them that they don't have the ability yet to see. They're just like the Corinthians. We're not going to sit here and say, you're a bunch of babies, as Paul did. But we need to figure out how to walk alongside of the world and say, how's that working for you? Can I show you a better way? Grace, grace, God's grace. It's covered our sins and caused us to change. Every day. Because we know what it means when we love the way that God wants us to love. We know what it means when we treat our neighbors the way that we're called to. Every Sunday we repeat the summary of the law. Why? Because trying to beat it into you, you know, it's just a liturgical thing. I don't know why we do it. We just do it. No. We do it because that's the standard we, we hear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments, the law, and the prophets are contained in there. You and I today are being encouraged. You can do it. You can. But you need to surrender, not take up your arms. You need to yield and ask the Lord to work in you. You need to recognize that you're growing. You're not there yet, but you're getting there. And let God do the work. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these hard words. Um, if it weren't for our brokenness, for our hardness of heart, there, there wouldn't be divorce in the world. If it wasn't for our um, childishness, our fleshiness, there wouldn't be adultery in the world. If it wasn't for our jealousy and our need to consume things, there wouldn't be murder in the world. But teach us, Lord, how to be reconcilers. Teach us how to take our attitudes, our thoughts, and hold them captive for you. Recognizing when they could go astray, saying, Lord, help me, because I need you to be the, the one who captures my mind, who is thankful for the beauty that you've placed around us, who is happy with the things that we have received because they are a grace grace god's grace that has washed over us again and again and again we are a body lord saint luke's is a body that is grateful let our gratitude be a word to those in the world who need to hear a better story to find a better way because we've found that way in you we pray in jesus name amen